Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for the All Saints Lutheran Sermon Series of Podcasts. We're so delighted that you've landed on this page, and we ask that you contextualize yourself by reading the descriptor. Enjoy, and let us know what you think. I just have to tell you all that it's a really weird thing to preach in front of your college roommate. Uh, It's just a strange thing, and I just realized it now, so don't look at me then. It's going to be fine. Friends, this morning across the country, there are thousands of pastors standing up in front of their expectant congregations, preaching what is at least the fourth or fifth iteration of a sermon that they have been racking their brains all week to write. I know this because I spoke with several of them throughout the day yesterday. She's very loud this morning. It's great. This text, you may have noticed, doesn't lend itself to ease of preaching, or much less ease of reading. At first blush, it's certainly not the sort of gospel that one would hope to preach on the day of their child's baptism. It is, to say the least, an odd parable. A passage that brings us to a collective pause and evokes an oh-so-subtle, what? Huh? Say that one more time. Usually in Jesus' lessons, it's easy for us to pick out who the God character is. That one person throughout the parable who shows love and grace and compassion and forgiveness. For example, last week, we had the woman who lost her coin or the shepherd and his lost sheep. Often that character is the unexpected one in the historical context of the day, like in the case of the Good Samaritan. Sometimes the person selected is just wildly godly in their doling out of grace like the father of the prodigal son. Other times the hero of the story is, for all intents and purposes, an ordinary person until, as in the story of the widow's mites, Jesus points out just how extraordinary they really are. This is going to be great. Uh, Yet, in this parable, the hero, the example that is set for us, is less certain. Because this passage, to quote my dear colleague, Pastor Rebecca, goes against everything that we try to teach our children. Honesty, integrity, fairness, all these seem to get chucked out the window in this passage, which is, of course, why we get so many different interpretations of this text, as the faithful throughout the centuries have wrestled with figuring out just what it is that Jesus is trying to say, attempting to justify this parable, to smooth out its rough edges, and to add a measure of decorum to Jesus's truly outlandish words. As we discussed in Bible study this past week, perhaps that's not the way to go. Father Robert Capon, an Episcopal priest, wrote in his book, Parables of Grace, this. As far as I am concerned, the unjust steward is nothing less than the Christ figure in this parable. It is a dead ringer for Jesus himself. First of all, he dies and he rises like Jesus. Second, by his death and resurrection, he raises others, like Jesus. And third, and most important of all, the unjust steward is like the Christ figure because he is a crook. 
just like Jesus. Jesus, the crook. I see looks on your faces that my Bible study gave me as well. That worked out really nicely. That's good. Uh, if you don't like that image of Jesus, that's fine. You're going to just have to set with it for a little bit because that's where I'm rolling today. The idea here, the idea here is that grace cannot come into the world through respectability. Respectability accounts only for life, success, winning, and conquering. Respectability is concerned only with the prim and the proper, the rule followers, and the righteous. Grace isn't like that. And the unique contribution of this particular parable is its reminder that grace comes only through death and losing, shame and with an eye toward the lost, the sinner, the other, to us. Because Jesus is, for all intents and purposes, a community organizer in this text. Literally, he is organizing the community. Throughout the Gospels, we see story after story after story of Jesus caring for and lifting up and being with people who he probably should not have been with. Stories of feeding and clothing and housing and visiting and making community wherever he can, while encouraging and calling his followers to do the same wherever, whenever, however, and apparently, at least according to this passage, that includes breaking the rules in order to build the community. Make friends for yourself, Jesus says, by means of dishonest wealth. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I think that means. There's a church in Arizona whose members have been driving out into the desert between the U.S. and Mexico border and leaving jugs of water. They're doing this on the U.S. side of the border, but in the middle of a truly vast wilderness that is so inhospitable that there's not even a fence through it on the border. Migrants who try to cross this area often die during the journey because they cannot carry enough water with them. And the people who have been taking water out into this desert have been fined and arrested and prosecuted for breaking U.S. immigration law just because they took water into a desert so that people don't die. In 2019, the Bethel Church in the Netherlands held a continuous worship service for three months, over three months, in order to protect a refugee family who was fleeing from Armenia the authorities in that country wanted to arrest and deport the family, which would have almost certainly resulted in their deaths in their home country. But the law in the Netherlands says that a church can act as sanctuary as long as an active worship service is happening. Hundreds of pastors and lay leaders led continuous worship to make sure that those arrests didn't happen. And one of the leaders wrote that um, we find ourselves confronted with a dilemma. The choice between respecting the government and protecting the rights of a child. Earlier this spring, I got a letter from the sheriff of Sherburne County, Minnesota, letting me know that members of my congregation, all y'all, <laughs> Specifically, members of our immigration task force 
had signed onto a petition after being part of a protest calling for reform in the unjust treatment of ICE detainees in the Sherburne County Jail. He was mad about the petition. The members of this congregation were mad about injustice. Make friends for yourself by means of dishonesty, by breaking the rules. Saints and siblings in Christ, I wonder if that sort of faith looks like prioritizing people over policy, justice over law, grace over judgment, and forgiveness over damnation again and again and again and again and again. Our text this morning follows the three stories of the prodigal, foolish, and outlandish love that is the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost prodigal son. This text is really no different because it demands that we foolishly give the kingdom away. That we take the love, the grace, the joy, the mercy, the forgiveness of God, and we give it away again and again, prodigally, foolishly, lavishly, exuberantly, generously, we give it away. Because that's what Jesus asks us to do. Jesus refuses to be respectable in order to minister to a world that respectability could only terrify and condemn. He became sin for us sinners. He became weak for us weaklings. He became lost for us losers and dead for us dead. Jesus baits us sinners, us criminals, with his own crimes. As the debtors were drawn in to deal with the crooked manager instead of the upright rich man, so too are we drawn by this Jesus who dares, who dares to consort with the lowly and welcome sinners to the table. It is the same message that we proclaim at this font today. As we bring Lorelai to the waters of baptism, she is going to have no idea what's going on. She'll probably just be excited about the fans. But God does. God knows. This foolish, extravagant, generous God meets us at the waters of baptism to renew the promises of love and forgiveness again. Not because she deserves it, though she is very cute and pretty awesome. <laughs> Not because any of us deserves it, but because God loves us and God chooses us to give everything. And that's the message. This dishonest ma manager, this Christ in crook's clothing is all about giving things away, whether someone, whether we deserve it or not. God has given us and entrusts us with the kingdom. God has showered us with love and forgiveness and grace overflowing. And you have the opportunity to throw out the rules of fiscal and societal responsibility to set aside what the world calls common sense. You have the chance to change the world, to take what God has given you and give it away. Friends, I say, why not? Let's do it. So for this work that we have been called to, I think that we can all say, thanks be to God.